Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone back to another enchanting episode of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, the man Hinshaw. That was really fucking lame. Matt, the man Hinshaw? Yeah, that was really lame. I was trying to think what would be a good nick gangster nickname. Oh, uh, Senor Mateo. Senor Mateo? It's not as good as Zapato. No, Zapato can only be held by the, the person who has the biggest shoe. Dude, I have bigger feet than you. Well, then maybe you can be Zapato. No, but yours... Yours is your name from, you know, your legit name from school. Yes, yes. I, I told uh, uh, Mags the story about that, and she still doesn't understand why I chose the name Zabato. <laughs> it's the only one everybody remembers. Yeah, I know. That was, But it was just, she was like, why did you choose shoe? I was like, well, I didn't want to be a rose or a flower or whatever else everybody else was. Yeah. <laughs> So, folks, as you can tell, there is my co-host, Mr. Shoe. Mr. Shoe, how are you doing today? Uh, that's Shoe Mike Talent, by the way. <laughs> shoe Mike Talent. Or is it Mike Shoe Talent? <laughs> no, I think it's Shoe Mike Talent. Or is it Talented Mike Shoe? No, not that one. Not that, not that last one. All right, Matt. So uh, what, do, what, are we, we, what are we talking about today? What are we reviewing? To get back on topic, right? No, yeah. we're talking about shoes or... Oh, yeah. Oh, well, before we do that, we should say, what are we drinking? Matt, what are you drinking? <sighs> why, why am I the one that always has to go first? Because my beer sounds so lame compared to yours. Well, I don't even know if I can pronounce the one I have of my beer. <laughs> I have one of my go-tos. It's nice and cheap and plenty of it. For those of you who know me or listen to this podcast, that'll be Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Oh, nice, dude. Nice, nice. It's a good movie beer, too, because they always seem to be drinking it in movies. Uh, yeah, you're right. They, they do drink it a lot in movies. Um, mine is Shalafly, S-C-H-L-A-F-L-A-Y, uh, American IPA. Go, you know, go figure. Surprise, surprise. Mike has another IPA. Although this one he can't pronounce. Yeah, uh, uh, Mags actually got this uh, on sale for me. So, shout out to Mags. Well, that's nice of her. Where did she get it on sale at? What store? The Walmarts? Uh, the local Total Wine. Alright, so Mike... I gave you Lord of the Flies. All the answers to life are in that book. And that's a quote from the movie that we're reviewing uh, today, uh, Cold Pursuit. Uh, and uh, Cold Pursuit is uh, directed by Hans uh, Peter Moland. Uh, writers are Frank Baldwin and Kim Foops Akinson. Uh, it's starring Liam Neeson, uh, Laura Dern, Mikhail Richardson, Michael Eklund, Bradley Stryker, 
And this movie is about a slow, uh, a snow plow driver seeks revenge against the drug dealers he thinks killed his son. Based on the 2014 Norwegian film In Order of Disappearance. Which was directed by the same guy. It was, yes. So he remade his own movie five years later. Yeah, yeah. And that's might be why it's a little bit strange. Well, you know, the Norwegian comedy is very dark. So so I guess uh, starting right off, Matt, do you think this was supposed to be a dark comedy? Hell yeah, it was. How the hell was it not? Dude, it's very, to me, it's very reminiscent of Fargo, but not quite as dark as Fargo. Oh, okay. All right. Well, for me, the thing that was a little strange with this... Uh, oh, yeah, and Matt, don't let me forget to bring up your situation when you watch this movie. But Oh, crap. Did you read my Facebook post? I Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, actually, when I watched this movie, there was a lot of people talking. I don't know what it was about. And I was like, uh, I strategically sat myself far away from people and still they were talking. It was annoying. But um, this movie's story is a little weird because I thought it should be all about Liam Neeson and his son. And then it gets into this kind of... A lot of the story was about the bad guy. And then there was a lot of story about this other group. It kind of turns into like a gang warfare story. Yeah, it kind of jumped. It kind of jumped stories, which was weird for me. Because it it was like your classic kind of revenge movie for a little bit. Um, a little bit of an introduction to stuff and all that. And then changes. Dude, there was a lot of layers to this film as well, if you sit down and think about it. Yeah, no, there there was. There was and everything, a lot of stuff was intertwined in, in different ways that it wasn't quite, like, it didn't all, of course, come together until the end. But you're like, oh. Yeah, well, I mean, I enjoyed it. Was it a a phenomenal movie? Do I think everybody and their mom should go see it? No. But it was entertaining. I liked it. You know, I I liked uh, some of the dark humor. Like, every single time someone died, they put up a placard with their particular religious symbol that they believe in and their name. I thought that was hilarious. At first, I didn't understand what he was doing. The first time it happened, I was like, "What? what was that? Because I didn't understand the characters. I didn't know the character's uh, uh, name. And then, yeah. and then it becomes quite rele- well, the, relevant the first, after. The first death is Liam Neeson's son, right? Yes. And so they don't even really give you his name or really anything. They tell you his name after the fact. Yeah. Maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah it was. It was okay. It was an okay movie. Um, not not great, not terrible, but just just okay. Dude, the cinematography was pretty solid. You got to give them that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was this, very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. The the cinematography was cool. I was wondering where they filmed it actually, and I looked. It was all filmed in Canada. Yeah. Well, that explains it. I mean, I've you know I've never been to Denver, but. Uh, I was going to say, it didn't seem like the town, the, well, it takes place in Denver and the, this small town called what? Kehoe? Yeah. Kehoe. Yep. And I'm like, it didn't seem like Kehoe was that far away from Denver, but it seemed like it was extremely high up in the mountains. 
Not like a little bit, extremely high up. I mean, there's like a permanent like six or seven feet of snow on the ground at all times. Yeah. In some places, you know? And it's like, no, that's not close to Denver at all. Yeah. But, yeah. The, um, is, yeah. Did you look? Is Kehoe a, a real, um, town outside of Colorado? I, or outside of Denver? I didn't look. No. Okay. Uh, I meant to look because I was like, man, I kind of want to go there if that's a real place because it looked awesome. No, I had a very busy weekend. So. No, it's un- it's understandable, man. It's understandable. I know you're getting ready for the Poindexter Awards, and like you just get all disheveled. Of course, because they're going to be amaze balls, Mike. Heck yeah! It's going to be the best Poindexter Awards we've ever done. We got so many votes; it'll just make your mind spin, dude. All three of them. Man, mine's already blown. Mine's already blown. Yep. No, uh, you know, um, Kehoe, I think that was interesting. I liked the little town. I thought that was cool. I, I don't know if it's real or not. I'm not from Colorado. I might have to ask uh, some coworkers when I go in on to work this week, but we'll see. I don't know. I'll look it up. Now you have me questioning it, especially where uh, um, Liam Neeson's little house was in it. Man, that was pretty pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. No, that was like so amazing although it seems like it would be really tough to get there often if the conditions were as bad as they the movie portrayed them to be yeah but he's a snow truck driver he has no problem getting up there and i mean clearly you know that is a perfectly acceptable home for a snow truck driver who probably makes at least three hundred thousand a year yeah dude like all snow truck drivers do you didn't know that I know some snow truck drivers, and they don't make that much. What are you saying that the, the they misled us? That's in, well, that's inconceivable. What I was thinking through the whole thing is, you know, it takes place. Uh, one of the big scenes takes place at the facility where all the snow trucks are and things, but it's not a government organization, and it's not a state organization, which is also government, but um, or federal organization. It's an independent kind of self-business. So I was wondering if maybe Liam Neeson started the snowplow business. And so maybe he's a business owner. Then he would definitely probably make enough money to have a home like that, I would think. I don't know. Yes, definitely, probably. Definitely, probably. All right. Um, I'm just snowballing, man, because... That, that house was cool. No, that no, house no. Was the really house was really cool. It was real. The nice. house was really cool. The house was, re- and and the snowplow stuff was actually kind of cool. Like the two, like he drove around. Well, uh, well, actually, there was multiple snowplows, but the one that just shot like um, snow in the air yeah. was freaking neat. Like, a, yeah, that was more of a like a snow thrower than it was a uh, snowplow. Yeah, yeah, the snow thrower one, and like all these cars were behind him. Like it was, it was crazy. Like. You know, and that's how people live in some places. So that was crazy. Well, what was awesome, too, is how he pulls up to the road and there's a gate across it. So people are only allowed to go through when he's going up and down it. And they have to be right behind him. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure he's he, he has, it's like a schedule. Just just like, uh, you know, so they, they know they're like, oh, we got to get going. But no, it was pretty neat. And, you know... His little shop and everything was pretty cool. It was on a nice little hill. and 
it was a lot more to it than just, you know, a big truck with a shovel on the front. Yeah. So that was kind of a neat little insight. Yeah, yeah. That that that's true. Um but uh I was going to say I touched on this a little bit in Hereditary. Um when we reviewed Hereditary, this film really has a lot of neat homes in it. Neat looking homes like Viking's home, the one of the villain's homes. Is really, really a very cool house. Um, Liam Neeson's character's house is really, really cool. And then the um, the downtown stretch stretch is pretty cool. Wherever they filmed yeah. that, that was cool. So like whoever did the location scouting, thank you. Oh, dude! And then his brother's house, uh, Wingman's Wingman's house. Oh, that thing was like out of a storybook, dude. It was weird. Yeah, that house was incredible. Incredible. Loved that house. Oh, man. Anyways, I just found it interesting how, um, relating to Hereditary, that people are really starting to use the architecture and the homes to tell their own kind of story as well. I, I kind of like that. It's neat. You know, that that that, that does lend to the, the feel of the movie and stuff. And and, and you're right, the, the, the locations, all the locations in this movie were, were pretty awesome. Well, it's just more than, you know, hey, look, here's a normal ranch house or hey, look, here's this big, gaudy, billionaire, stereotypical home. I mean, these are v- three very unique looking homes, all three of them. And they're pretty predominant characters homes in the film and they almost are their own character in their own right and i really kind of like that i think it added a little bit to the film for sure no you're you're right it was cool uh yeah wingman's wingman's place was like what like at first you're like who is this guy and then well i I, we'll, we'll get to our spoilers here soon but anyway it was just like wow yeah, seriously. I mean, like all the walls on the front of the house, 90% of them were glass because it had just the most gorgeous panoramic view of probably Kehoe where Liam Neeson is supposed to be at is what I would assume they're trying to orchestrate. And it just, wow, it was beautiful. Yeah, no, it was super. Yeah, you're right. It was really cool. All right, Mike, so you want to get to spoilers. I know you're itching to talk about Taken in the Blizzard. Yeah, well, we called it Taken in the Snow, in the snow at work. Um, so that's what I refer to, Taken in the Snow. Although this really isn't much of a Taken movie, turns out. Uh, the, the, the trailer made it seem like it was like that, but it's not really that much at all. In my opinion. Well, the Liam Neeson's character is for sure a revenge type character. Yeah, but he's not. Yeah, yes. Okay. The movie as a whole is not a taken movie at all. Right, right. Do you think Liam Neeson's just starting to get typecast now as the revenge guy? He's just trying to take advantage of Taken's success. And I understand that. And I believe he said this was his last uh, quote-unquote action movie. I don't know. But he's got to get paid, so. Taken one through three. Uh, the the stone, what it was. Uh, I, I don't remember some of the. There was a couple weird name movies that he was in, but they were kind of like Taken-ish also. He was born in 52. Yeah, dude, that's like, what, 71? 
I don't know. I can't do math. It hurts my brains. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, but let's see. He's in Men in Black International. Yeah, they're trying to get him digitally removed due to the controversy. Yeah, I remember. We were discussing that it's, on the it's last dumb. one. It's dumb. He's 67. You know one that I really liked that didn't get a lot of fanfare that he did that was kind of action-y? Was uh, The Grey. I thought that was really good. Oh, The Grey was really good. And that was right after Taken, I believe. Uh, so he'd just done Taken. He hadn't done Taken 2 or 3. And The Grey came out. And I went and saw that. I actually saw that at screening uh, for free. Um, wow. I got... I, I don't even remember. I think I signed up for some email or something, and I just wrote it off. Like, I didn't think I was going to get anything. And then they're like, yeah, you got it, so you can come for free. And I was like, sweet. So I went and saw The Grey at a screening for free a couple days before it came out. And, you know... Taken Taken was 2008. The Grey was 2011. All right, a couple years. But, yeah, no, that's one that I really... I really enjoyed that I feel that not a lot of people have seen or heard of of his. I really just love that movie. I thought it was shot really well. It's almost a uh, one-person show kind of movie. Oh, oh. Almost entirely. It's almost all completely Liam Neeson, and it was awesome. Yeah, he did such a good job. I loved it. Anyways. All right, Mike. So I know you're itching to spoil uh cold pursuit aka taken in a blizzard because blizzard sounds better than snow all right all right it does blizzard sounds you know what we should call it we should call it taken in the polar vortex taken in the polar vortex all right that's too that's getting wordy let's get a little wordy all right taken in the the vortex no but taken in the vortex the, see now you're na- getting like sedona yeah that doesn't quite sound right yeah now now it sounds like sedona all right Anyway, dude, that would be a good sci-fi movie, though. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get on that. I'll start writing the script. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess everybody uh, from here on now, there's going to be spoilers. Do Matt? Do we want to talk no, about our? No, res- I gotta, uh, our, our, No, I got I didn't even get to ask you yet. You're, you're, you're jumping the gun. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> so, Mike, how does Taken in the Blizzard? relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, well, that was a good question. And this one was, uh, this is a little bit harder. Um, so I was able to find a Peter Hansen who worked in the sound department on Cold Pursuit, a.k.a. taken in the blizzard. Uh, was was also in uh, the sound department on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, but I had to, I had to dig deep, man. That's it usually don't get down to the sound department when we're looking at the cast and crew. So, Whew. snow blizzard digging deep, like it. <laughs> I like it, Mike. All right, go ahead. You're the one that's itching to pull the trigger on spoilers, so go for it. Well, well, do we want to recommend this movie, Matt, before we tell them, or do we we just start spoiling it, or what do we, what do we want to do? Well, dude, if they want to hear our ratings and reviews, they can read it on our show notes, which I have to write laboriously, or they can just skip this whole part and go straight to the end. 
Okay. Well, like we always do, you're trying you're trying to change up. We haven't even hit our year yet and you're trying to change it up, Michael. No, no I'm not. Okay. Well, then. Yeah, you are. No. That's it. You want to change it up, you'll get to edit it. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I can't be uh uh shoe talent Mike. That's true. You won't be the talent anymore. We got to have you as the talent. Every show has a talent. All right. Uh, so, so for me, the, the story was a little weird. And what I'm talking about for this uh, spoiler part is the intermingling of this Native American tribe and this other, uh, the guy, the, the Vikings uh, drug group and Liam Neeson's uh, character, uh, Coxman. And then that actually kind of becomes like a little group as well because his brother, Wingman, is also a coxman. And I don't know. It was just it, it it was just kind of a weird intertwined story, but there was a lot to do with sons in this, so Right. That's where the layering comes in. Yeah. So But it it, it starts, you know, it starts out with Liam Neeson's story of revenge. And then it morphs into Viking story and his son, which then gets kidnapped by Liam Neeson. Spoilers. Yeah, who almost got kidnapped by the Native Americans. Right. And the Native Americans, um, they feel that the Native Americans are the ones that's taken out their guys. So the Vikings gang goes and grabs just a, a quote-unquote no-named you know, kind of bag man that's transporting drugs. They grab him, kill him, and hang him on a sign, not realizing that the guy that they killed is the only son of the Native American uh, gang's leader. Right, and it happened to be his first and only run. Right. Uh, yeah, and that yeah. So that that was an interesting aspect of the story, and. It kind of changes at that point. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like... It's like three different stories that are kind of intertwined about men and their only sons dying or getting taken. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the layering's coming in. Yeah, you're right. So if they would have like not captured the Native American drug runner... And killed him, you wouldn't have had this movie. Well, yeah, I wasn't sure. To, to, to me, it seemed a little bit overly complex. And I'm not sure, I, you know, I mean, I guess that's probably has to do with the original script and movie that this is remaking. But it just seemed a little, to me, it seemed a little bit too convoluted and, and a little bit odd. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, it's fine, but I, I see what you're trying to say. And then, you know, the whole arc with the cops was just strange. They had two well-known actor and actresses playing the two main police officers, and they're, they just kind of come off as, like, they have no idea what's going on. They're just kind of a side story. Why even have that side story? Because you already have this really complicated layered three uh, father-son story that's crossing past constantly. And then you try and distract us with 
the local cop story. Yeah, and then, uh, man, at the very end there, when um, the, uh, I guess it's the police chief is getting, he finds uh, the Viking leader guy. Um, uh-huh. Is, does he say something like he knows him? Like, are they, is that his, his dad? Or something? I don't, re- I don't remember that. But, like, it seemed weird. Like, I, I don't know. It seemed like he was trying to leave a message, and it seemed like the guy knew him. And it almost seemed like the guys, the the cops were involved, or that particular cop had known about a lot of this stuff for a long time and just chose to look the other way because, you know. I don't know, Mike. I mean, I I was not able to hear as well as I would have wanted when I went and watched Cold Pursuit at the first showing at 7 o'clock at Picture Show in Prescott, Arizona. Oh, 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 yeah, why why did that happen, Matt? Uh, I I alluded to this earlier, but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience? I've discussed it before. It's very strange to me living in a small town and how many horrible experiences I've had going to the movies. I've I've gone to the movies in many places, California, L.A., San Diego, um, Phoenix, Tucson, Flagstaff. The only places I've ever really had issues, again, this is right now, up to this point, has been in the smaller towns. I've had issues when I was back home in service, and I've had issues here in Prescott. There were two older ladies, I would estimate in their early to mid-70s, sitting two to three seats away from me, that literally started talking when the trailers started and stop talking when the end credits rolled. If you're literally going to hold an entire conversation in a movie and people have asked you multiple times to quiet down or gone, you know, done the shush or whatever, you probably should just get up and leave or go home and stay home and talk. They talked through the whole thing and I was not the only one that had an issue with it. There were people that were walking out with me that were like, Jesus, what the hell? I just need to get up and go get the manager. And if I get shamed, I get shamed. I don't know. It was absolutely ridiculous. Matt, uh, this this kind of incident happened in a a part of Florida, and a retired uh, police officer got angry at some people talking, and he shot the person and killed them. Are you serious? In the theater. Only in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the arizona of the east coast yeah um that was of course extreme but uh e- even i experienced I-, I i watched this movie this weekend and i i tend to uh the particular theater that i go to has assigned seating so i tend to uh, assign myself seating that's far away from everyone else because I don't want to deal with anything because most people are terrible. Anyway, um, it was just, it was annoying. I was like, man, I was, there was probably seven or eight seats away from me and there were still people talking. And like, there was a point, uh, this particular theater has reclining seats and I think something fell in the seats, which is not uncommon. But instead of waiting until the movie was over, they proceeded to turn on their flashlight on their phone and look for it. Right in the middle of the movie, I'm like, what's it not going to go anywhere? Like, what what are you doing right now? This is so dumb. I, I wanted to yell at him, but I didn't 
because I was just I I couldn't believe it. And then having um, so I watched this movie after your experience. I was like, what is it about this movie? Does this movie just attract people that will do this? Well, that's where I was going to go with this. Do you think this is a cultural shift, Mike? Because people are constantly consuming media at all times of their life. So now when they're in a place that's designated to be quiet and dark and calm, they feel like they're just sitting in their living room couch and talking? You know, it it, it probably is, is getting to that point. I almost want them to collect my cell phone. I don't even want to have it. You know, uh, there was a, there's a comedian. I don't remember who it was exactly, but they came and uh, they were touring around the country and they had this thing where during their show, you had to put your cell phone in some kind of pouch thing. Now you still get, you blocks all the signals. Well, you still got to keep it. So now it didn't block the signals, but if it vibrated or whatever, you had to go outside of the venue to open it. It had some kind of weird geo oh, it had locking. Like a lock, yeah. Huh? Oh, interesting. Had some kind of some kind of locking mechanism. I'm not exactly sure how they did it. Geofencing or something. Some kind of probably through Wi-Fi or something. I don't know. Signal strength and stuff like that. But anyway, well, weren't they? Wasn't like a perfect circle or tool doing something like that? Uh, I don't know, but I, you know. I really, really would appreciate, like, I go to a lot of concerts, and so, you know, I'll take a picture or two of the show, but for now, for the most part now, you know, I just want to enjoy the show, because it's live music, and it's it never comes off the same as the phone or the camera anyway, and I don't know, I wish we would just live in the moment more, instead of trying capturing it for the world well i agree and 90 percent of those people that do that sit there and hold their cell phone up the entire time videotaping the entire concert they're never going to go back and look at that footage probably ever yeah well i mean they might upload it on the user the snapchats or i don't even know what the kids use anymore uh maybe their facebook live in it like i have seen people on like uh facetime they're like, hey, man, you're missing this. And then they, like, show it. And they're like, and then they try and talk to them for, like, another 20 minutes. I'm like, what? Why? Why? That's ridiculous. Why? So, basically, what you're saying, Mike, is you and I are starting to become crotchety old men. And these kids are starting to annoy us. Yep. <laughs> you got it, man. All right, well, I got one. Um, I have not gotten to go to this particular theater because it is not real close, the one that is in Phoenix. It's not real close to my sister's house, but um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie theater. It is now a chain, but it started out in Austin, Texas. It is called the Alamo Draft House. Oh, oh, you got to go to one of those? They have one in Phoenix, but I have not made it over there because it's so far away from where... My sister's house is, so... Uh, I heard they have some crazy rules about stuff. Yes, the Alamo Draft House, house is hardcore. They're for legitimate moviegoers. They're f- it was started by hardcore movie fans. They actually even have their own production company now where they help um, produce a lot of films, smaller films, obviously. 
but um, they do all kinds of really cool, awesome stuff, especially for shows that uh, movies that they bring in special. Like uh, my buddy uh, Steve went and saw Yellow Submarine by the Beatles at Alamo's, Alamo Draft House. Oh, okay, cool. And it was a sing along. It was not just, you know, oh, here's the movie. It was like a sing along and they had the words and everything. And he said it was just an incredible experience. But um, so there was one, I don't remember what it was. My other buddy that also listens to this podcast, uh, Patrick. He loves to go to the Alamo Alamo Draft House. He's a big time movie fan like you and I, huge. And I don't remember what movie it was that they saw, but um, it was an older movie. It had been out for a while. Um, they'd put it back in the theaters for something, and they gave everybody like it was either like a laser pointer gun or it was like a Nerf gun or something. And when like this villain came on screen, you were supposed to shoot the screen. Oh, that's, that's pretty fun, man. That sounds great. So they do all this cool, fun, neat stuff. But one of the biggest selling points of the Alamo draft house for me personally is this right here. They have a couple rules and they're really hardcore. You talk during the movie they come, they escort you out. You don't get your money back. You turn on your cell phone in the movie theater. They come and get you. They escort you out. Your cell phone rings. They come and get you. They escort you out. They don't screw around. Period. Oh, man. That sounds that sounds amazing. I might want to pay like $10 or, $10 or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if they're more expensive than anybody or what kind of rates they have, but... I'm not sure. And like I said, it used to be just a single, you know, movie theater in Austin, Texas, but it is expanded. And one of the handful of places it's expanded to is Phoenix. And so there's uh, one in LA, there's one in Austin, there's one in New York, there's one in Phoenix. Neat, man. Very neat. There might be more than that, but next time next time you're out here visiting, uh, we definitely have to go there, at least for one show. If we have to like waste an entire day and see, see a movie we don't even care about, just so you can experience it, we're going to go to Alamo Draft House. All right, man. Sounds like a deal. So, all right. Well, before we get too long, um, Mike, how many reels do you give Cold Pursuit? Uh, I'm going to give it a solid two and a half reels. Two and a half reels. Wow. So you thought this was below average? Uh, you know, it, it was just, to me, it was just okay. And and for me, okay is two and a half reels. All right. Well, Mike, I give it three and a half reels. I, I liked it. I thought it was a little bit above average based on the cinematography, based on the cool houses. The acting was decent. I didn't have any qualms with it. I like the story, but I agree with you. The story is very complicated, very convoluted, almost full of itself kind of story. So that's what brought it down to a three and a half for me. But again, like I said, I'd say it's just a little bit above average. All right, man. That's fair. So would you recommend watching this in the theaters? The only thing I would say about going and watching it in the theater is that if there's nothing else coming out, or you've seen everything else out because there isn't anything really hardcore coming out that I want to see until this upcoming weekend. So if you want to go see a movie, say, you know, tonight on Tuesday, 
I, I'd say go check it out because the cinematography, like I said, is great. It's worth it for that. Now, um, if you're strapped for cash or you don't have AMC Ape List or you don't have another one of those or you can't find a babysitter, you can pass on this. It, it'll probably be just as good on Netflix. But again, if you're hardcore like Mike and I and you really want to go see a movie, I would recommend go for it. But it's not a must-see in the theater. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with that that assessment. Uh, you know, if you like going to movies and stuff and you want to go see Liam Neeson in action once again, this is another one where he's he's doing his thing. It's not as much him, but it's still, you know, it's still pretty good. It's very unique. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would definitely say that. It's It's unique. All right. Well, Mike, I, I don't have anything else uh, other than, you know, make sure and tune in Thursday for our one year anniversary, super expialidocious, stupendous, incredible, amazing first ever Poindexter Awards slash one year anniversary of the Real Film Nerds podcast, because we almost didn't make it multiple times. So we're gonna celebrate like mad. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Everybody, you've got to, you've got to tune into that. You've got to tune into it. It's gonna be awesome. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So, other than that, Mike, I, I don't have anything else. Uh, go ahead, take us out of here, man. All right. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you on the next awesome Poindexter Awards podcast. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now go out and catch a movie.